Hey, this is Tandy with Common Ground Alaska. I'm so excited to be here and talk for a minute with Trifana Witt. She is from Alaska Traditional Preservation and Trifana has, she doesn't just love gardening, like she has a passion for growing stuff and for not just growing, but the harvest too. Like um, it is just clearly something that she knows well, um, but it's not, it, it goes even deeper. Um, Trifana has a, a an extensive knowledge on the art of permaculture growing rather than, which would be like regenerative type gardening rather than the traditional style that we're used to. And the reason that, um, that I had reached out to Trifana was because I was, I was really excited about what she had to say, um, about regenerative agriculture in Alaska, because, um, if you've read books or if you've researched anything about permaculture, um, you've seen or noticed probably that not everything that's suggested will work here. So she's done a ton of work, a ton of experimenting, a ton of learning. Uh, and so she's going to talk to us a little bit about today about kind of what permaculture looks like in Alaska. And I just wanted to note also that Trifana is actually teaching a class for us this weekend. Um, the next two weekends she is. She is teaching a class this weekend on permaculture and next weekend it's going to be on seed starting and general gardening. And if you are new to gardening in Alaska, um, these are two classes that you really wouldn't want to miss. They're offered both in person in Big Lake and you can watch it online if you'd like, or you can um, just order the class and then wait for the replay. Um, but um, I think that you're going to learn a lot just today from Trifana, and I am positive that it's going to kind of ignite that gardening bug in you on this beautiful spring day. So Trifana, I'm so thankful that you have joined us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hi. Uh, thanks, Tandy, for having me. Um, my name is Trifana. I absolutely love gardening and all that that entails to the abundant harvest that we end up having. It's just uh, it's amazing and different every year, um, and I'm very passionate about the permaculture aspect of doing all this, and um, yeah, you, you mentioned that uh, I'm from Alaska Traditional Preservation, which I suppose is our farm name and uh, business, and yeah, just excited to get talking about that. Good deal. Good deal. Well, we're excited to have you. So tell me first, I'm I'm going to just kind of pepper some questions at you one at a time. What is permaculture? Yeah, um, permaculture is probably a more yeah regenerative agriculture uh, method and uh, life, lifestyle, really. Um, there's lots to permaculture more than just the growing, you know, food aspect of it. And it's it's a way to apply it to, you know, your, your whole life um, beyond the garden, which is just amazing. And um, it's rich in community too, which is really good to have around here. Um, we're really proud about that. And uh, absolutely. Yeah, so, it's, so when you work in a, in a more permaculture type setting, then you're working with the land, not against the land. Is that, I mean, that's probably my, oh, yeah my own uh maybe layman's <laughs> way to explain it but 
Um, but you're basically, instead of fighting your, instead of fighting this climate that we have here in Alaska, which, which it is, winter is really long and summer is, seems anyway, really short. So instead of fighting it, this is a way to use natural, what, what everything, you know, to use what naturally occurs here and to use that to our advantage to kind of extend our season and to give us a richer soil. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, I I was tired of fighting the long winter and, and the short seasons and having to pretty much almost start over every season was just not not feasible and and not sustainable. So doing permaculture and and long term views that it can have really really helps in Alaska and it's really easy to. I, I would say easier to do, but um, yeah, it's it's much better <laughs> it's than what we were doing for sure. Okay, so when when we talked previously, you said that you started with just you know just bare land. You just kind of moved into a, a you know normal kind of foresty area, and you took I think you said correct me if I'm wrong. You said you took about a quarter of an acre which is what you started with. And you just started, um, tell us kind of what that process looked like, like um, with the mulching and, you know, not telling, um, tell us kind of what that looked like a little bit. Yeah. So we only have about one and a half acres, which you can do a lot with. And most of it had been untouched. There was just a house here and trees and brush and, you know, woods, around what it would look like for central Matsu Valley. And so we knew right away our first year, we needed to put some kind of, some kind of growing space in. And luckily they, they did clear a little area when they put our septic in. So we started with that, that was already done and we grew from there. But in our first season, we were, we were able to have vegetables for the winter. Um, they weren't, you know, market quality, but but they were able to, you know, grow and be harvested to consume. And we used all that brush that they had cleared and built a couple of hugaculture mounds and uh, mulching, you know, all this debris that had that they had cleared um, for our septic. So that, you know, having all that that we needed to clean up, I immediately knew I wanted a bunch of uh you know, hugo culture mounds for, for starters. And that helped immensely for our first season. Okay. So I think that that's awesome. And that's the perfect segue into um, my next question, which is um, what in the world is hugo culture <laughs> and, uh, and why, like what, what is it and why should Alaskans be listening when they hear the word hugo culture, you know, what advantages does it have? Yeah. Well, it's, a mouthful word and a fun word to say. And uh, I think Alaskans can really benefit from using, from doing um, at least one of them because of all the, uh, of all the, you know, um, materials natural that we have around us, all the brush and, and uh, cleanup. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to burn anything. You don't have to haul anything away. You use, you know, what is already present 
in your property and you turn it into something beautiful that can grow, you know, vegetables or perennials and, you know, it's, it's going to, you know, compost and break down anyways, if you leave it in your yard, but um, turning it into these hookaculture mounds, you can take all of that and build it into something. So right. it's so and right away too, you know, like, yeah. So that, that's really nice. That's awesome. So basically you're taking with a hugo culture, with a traditional hugo culture, when I was, when I first learned about it, um, you know, you're taking big logs and then you're taking maybe limbs and then you're taking sticks mm-hmm. and you're kind of stacking them all in. And, and then you're putting like leaves and, and grass clippings, and then you're putting some compost and then, um, and I don't remember all the exact layers, but, um, but it's layer upon layer until you get to the top. And that's where just, you know, at the very top, that's where you're putting in your soil um, that, you know, cause you do, you have to have some soil on top, of course. Um, and so what happens is in hugel culture, then these break down and as they're breaking down, they're, yeah. they're continuing to add nutrients to your garden, correct? Oh yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, for hugel culture, you have about five layers minimum. You can add in more if you like of, of the same thing, but yeah, it's larger stuff that's already kind of decomposed but you know not too rotten and then smaller and then um some straw which is your carbon or or uh you know leaves and stuff if you can get those um and then like a hot hotter aged compost and then yeah your soil I mean very little soil can go on top and layering it from bigger to smaller it holds it all in like a nice little cobweb and um it just keeps it all together and held. And the the doing this, you can the idea behind it is to leave it, you know, long term for the next seasons to come. So that's really great to not have to start over every year and having these all ready to go. I mean, you can amend it more a little bit with soil if any, um, you know, goes away during the winter. Uh, but it's pretty much ready to go this year already when the snow melts, which is really, really nice. It is nice. And they actually thaw out a little faster because they're decomposing. They're actively decomposing. Yeah. So they're going to heat up a little faster. And so they're going to thaw. So they're, so not only does hugelkultur kind of provide a natural way of um, building, um, you know, kind of building beds that are const that constantly have nutrients because they're constantly decomposing, but they also can give you a little bit of a boost in your microclimate because they do provide heat because there's heat happening down below. And we'll definitely go into Hugel culture a lot more in the class, I'm sure on Saturday. Um, but we, uh, we built our first Hugel culture beds this year, the last year, last summer, um, and they worked tremendously well, far better than I expected. It was more of a kind of an experiment. I don't know. I guess maybe I didn't have, I, it wasn't that I didn't have hope. I just wasn't sure what I was doing. Cause it seemed a little obscure a little bit because it just, it isn't my normal, um, you know, tilling to make a row or fill up a raised bed with dirt idea. Um, but we did hugo culture in several spots, including in my tires. I grew, um, spaghetti squash in tires and I grew tomatoes in tires. I grew a bunch of stuff in tires and, um, and it just worked tremendously well. I was, I was really excited. So, um, so I love 
the whole idea of it. And I love that you're not, um, it's that whole waste not, you know, yeah. so instead of burning your twigs from, um, you know, we, we do a lot of pruning cause we have, you know, four acre orchard. So instead of br- pruning the twigs and burning them, they're coming in here and they're building garden beds, um, which I think is really cool too. But one tip that I have is, um, some things like currants, um, they don't quite understand that when you prune them back, that <laughs> now they're supposed to die. So, so I mean, yeah. And our I would be careful. <laughs> yeah, so our currants and our honeyberries both now we have all these volunteer currants and honeyberries, and so you know you need to you need to kind of understand that what you know what can go in there and what's not. But, um, but I yeah. love that idea. And Trifana, is were you raised with this concept, or how did you how did you come about this? <laughs> oh golly, no, I was not. I I don't think I was raised too much with. The permaculture mindset. Um, I mean, some aspects of it, sure, but the whole nitty gritty gardening, no, I would say no. My family roots are from southeast Indiana, which is rich in, you know, monocropping and, you know, um, that whole uh, agriculture design um, of that. And watching how my parents did their garden. You know, long-term, a couple years was okay, but long-term, they had, you know, disease issues and soil health was just not very good. Um, And yeah, I didn't want to do that. It just, it was not going to be sustainable for our family. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And then another, another, just to kind of take a, just a brief step back when we talk about hookah culture, another thing that I thought was interesting um, is when I was reading about it, they always said, you know, start with a big log and all this. And, um, and, but then I, I actually asked Jody Anderson from the, she's a soil scientist. Well, she's not now she's, um, I'm not sure. I can't remember what her new job is, but she has a new, um, amazing job. She is the greatest advocate for agriculture in our state, I think, but, um, but she is a soil scientist and I had asked her about it and her suggestion was not to start, you know, when you live in Alaska, you kind of have to make some, make some changes <laughs> based on mm-hmm. what will work and what won't work. And what happens is because our summers are so short and they're cooler, we just don't have the decomposition that, that we have in the lower 48. It takes longer. It happens, but it takes longer. So, um, so the main <laughs> thing that I learned from her was just start with smaller smaller sticks, smaller, you know, smaller debris, or like you said, stuff that's already starting to decompose. Um, And when you think about, you know, clearing land and and you're pulling up these old, you know, wet, you know, pieces of trees that, that aren't yet, they're not decomposed. What are you going to do with them? They're not going to burn in a burn pile. And who would have thought that that actually is something, you know, all of us would like, we'd all show up in our pickup trucks if we knew somebody was pulling that stuff out of there, because that's what we want in the basis of our, of our beds. I think that's pretty fabulous. So. um, Oh gosh. (laughs) The, the amount of people that have given me funny looks about asking for bags of leaves. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know, what do you, what do you want that for? Oh, another, another, you know, first, trash is another man's treasure so (laughs) that's right that's right 
Um, another piece of permaculture that I think is really beautiful that kind of fills in, kind of makes it full circle is that we can use our, our animals, whether we're growing animals for meat or, you know, for our protein sources. So whether we're growing for meat or for eggs or, you know, whatever, um, in our garden and it, it's instead of having to build a fence around, of course I build a fence around things for a minute because I want the harvest, but then they get the rest, <laughs> they get the leftovers. <laughs> Um, but, um, tell me, like, tell me, um, you know, like, how do you use your poultry? Um, I'm, I'm understanding there's kind of a funny story behind this about getting into raising poultry, but how do you use, um, how do you use your, the animals to kind of aid in the permaculture process? Well, we don't have a fence around our big garden. So, the chickens last season didn't bother too much with the garden. They they ate elsewhere. I mean, we have quite a bit of space for them to free range. Um, the ducks were able to get in into the garden and, and get all the slugs, which, oh my gosh, is so nice. <laughs> and um, all the other bugs and, and things that they're eating. Um, the chickens do peck at the garden, so I only really let them free range outside of their run, you know, when I'm out there, which is pretty much all the time during the summer. Um, so I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. And the size that we're growing on, you know, they're, they're not really going to eat, eat more than, you know, that will cause too much damage, but the ducks, I'm quickly liking a lot more, I suppose, long-term for, for garden and, um, the way we run things versus chickens but we'll we'll see how that goes i i did get started into chickens and poultry kind of funny um when i was probably about 15 or 16 i had you know friends who had birds and other livestock like horses and, and goats and things and you know being a a teenage girl or, or whatnot, I was, you know, I was wanting some birds, you know, something to get, get it going, get started into farm, farm animals, I suppose. Um, they do say chickens are the gateway into that. But my friend's mom took us all to a pet zoo. And they had, you know, those uh, big troughs full of baby chicks. And I was like, Oh, they're so cute you know and it's easter time and i got three chicks now you know 15 i don't know if they should really let a kid buy chickens you know i mean they should but uh yeah so i <laughs> took kids need to know what their moms the need to know what their kids are getting into <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes and she, you know, I was there with my friend's mom and she didn't care, whatever. And because, uh, you know, they had they lived like this already and we only had a garden at home and uh, no chickens yet. But uh, so I brought these three chicks home in a box, hid them in my closet. <laughs> oh, my God. And put them in a little toad <laughs> and got a heat lamp from my friend's mom, you know, and, and she got me like food and stuff like they're little babies you know they're 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 not too hard to care for at this point and uh but I'm still going to school and I'm playing sports so I'm still you know out of the house during the day and <laughs> I think it was about a week 
I had them and I came home one day and my dad didn't look very happy and I knew, you know, oh no. <laughs> and I walk in and he sits me down and he's all like, so uh, I was just out in the hallway and seen a red glow coming from your room. And it was a uh, more warm in your room than usual so he he walks in and opens my closet and you know the red light okay at, at this time I suppose he should have been grateful I was only growing chickens in my closet <laughs> because you know, I think that was um 2010 or 2011 or something and, and uh yeah you know, so it's always funny. And so that got him into, well, I can't, you know, I can't call these birds because, you know, like they're just little babies. So my dad kept them and uh, we were able to keep them and raise them. And uh, he ended up ordering a bunch more. So, yeah, that got him into poultry for a couple of years. Um, he still has his coops and uh, we'll see if he'll do birds in the future. But oh, my yeah. God. That is such a great story. So you start. I, I give him a hard. Yeah, I give him a hard time. You know, oh, you sh you should be thankful. I was growing chickens. You know, that's right. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a great story! Oh my goodness. So yeah, so if, we just all hope that if our teenagers ever get in trouble, it's for contraband chickens in their closet, not not growing something else, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I love that. So, um, I, I think that that, um, I appreciate what you've kind of told us about permaculture and, um, and about kind of the whole regenerative agriculture concept, and I'm excited to learn more. So in this weekend's permaculture class, can you tell us just a tiny little bit about what our, I'm super excited about our project that we're doing. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about what our project is that we're going to do? Yeah. Yeah. So since it's, you know, a classroom setting. Um, I wanted some kind of activity where, you know, you could still take what you learned home um, just on a small scale and, um, you know, be able to, you know, learn. And uh, what we're going to do is have these pots um, about big enough to do layers of hookah culture in so you can learn, you know, like hands on what that looks like, what it means, you know, like why you're having this layer in that spot and whatnot. And then um, you can take that home and build on a, you know, a bigger scale in your yard um, if you would like to. And I definitely recommend that people do because um, it's just so great. But yeah, I, I I thought the pot would be a great idea to, to do in the classroom. And I'm excited. Uh, we were out last weekend preparing all the layers for y'all to to do that with. I think that's going to be super like, fun. I'm excited. And the pots that yeah. we even got for the class, which I think is super fun, um, are clear. So you can actually see when you're filling it, you can kind of, and once it's done, you can see those layers, which I think is just, oh yeah, it just kind of adds an element of of um, the education side to it. And then Trafana, you're teaching the class the next week as well, which is um, seed starting. And it's kind of like a gardening 101. Is that right? This That's what this class is going to be, the second one? Yeah, yeah. Which um, I don't know if I could be any more excited. I was excited about 
making the permaculture um, slides and, and getting that ready and doing the seed starting gardening is just even more exciting because I get asked questions all the time. Um, probably the biggest one is, you know, when do I start things? <laughs> Cause like you have to start things, you know, fairly, fairly early um, to get it all ready to just go out and, and, and grow in our short season. But yeah, uh, we're going to talk about in that class for seed starting and what you'll need. Uh, lighting is a big one. Um, we make all of our lights. My husband's an electrician, which really helps out for things that we do around here. Um, and then um, some garden layouts and different ways to arrange your vegetables for higher production. Um, that definitely has helped us out a lot figuring out what plants like each other <laughs> and um yeah just the pretty much the basics to get a beginner or or an expert um ready i suppose yeah there's still plenty of time to to do things you know it, it i'm sitting here wondering where january went but even at march there's so much time still. So yeah, it's a great time to take either or both of the classes and, and get going for this season. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm excited for both of them. And, and, um, and I just want to mention that we also, um, were able to get, um, we worked with Foundroot and we worked with Seeds and Soil Farm. So, um, they're both, Alaska-based seed companies. So um, Seeds and Soil, I think that she does all of her own seeds right here in the Valley. Um, I'm not positive that she doesn't outsource, but, and I'm not sure I should have asked, but anyway, when I approached her about this, um, about, um, cause their seeds are, you know, seeds are expensive and I was trying to keep the cost of the class down and um, she just gladly gave us an, a really great discount so we could offer, you know, some varieties of seeds. So we have some stuff from them. We, um, and she is also majorly into permaculture and, um, just like, oh, I feel like it's almost leaving, leaving your spot in the world better than you found it kind of. Um, yeah. so I would highly recommend that you follow seeds and soil on, um, on socials and stuff, but also, and I think they just launched a new podcast, but also, um, Foundroot, when I reached out to them, um, she, she gave us a heck of a deal on our seeds. They, um, and it was really fun because, um, she, she, you may have seen or heard the, the, um, show that we have where I got to interview her, but, um, when we were talking about the seed, she was like, oh, we could send this or maybe we should send these. And like hearing her get so <laughs> excited about, and she was like, oh, but people love to grow these. And I'm not going to tell you what our seed varieties are, but I will tell you that I'm really, really excited with the seed varieties that they sent up. So, um, so if you're planning on coming to those classes, whether you attend, um, virtually or in person, um, we'll send you the packets of seeds. So if you are attending virtually, don't worry. I'll, um, when the show starts, I'll give you the information so that I can make sure that I send out those seed packets to everyone because they did, um, provide plenty. So I'm just really excited. Here's the thing I love. There's nothing that I love more than when I open up my Facebook page in 
usually it's, you know, the end of July, beginning of August, when you start seeing people, all these people posting pictures of what they've grown, like picture of their kid eating a radish out of the garden and it's still got the dirt on it and it doesn't matter because oh, it's yeah. the dirt and um or a picture of them like holding a tomato that's the size of their hand and um so it's just it's incredible and it's such an honor to go on this journey with people and um and with people you know more and more people getting into gardening it just it just has been such a blast as I know you agree um just getting yeah. to kind of be with people from the beginning and, and watch them learn. And, and I learn from everyone, even from, you know, beginners will sometimes ask a question that I wouldn't have necessarily thought of. Um, (laughs) But that's really smart. So um, it's just great. So I'm really looking forward to the next couple weekends and, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing, um, we'll make sure that you follow also Alaska traditional preservation on, um, socials because I was looking at your pictures from last year and oh my goodness it's inspiring it's pretty cool so (laughs) so I'm looking forward to seeing what you grow this summer too yeah I am too I'm it's always different Uh, you can grow the same things which we try to and and something always surprises us than it did last year so yeah I'm excited (laughs) yeah I totally get that you know, Trifana, this has been a great chat and I appreciate you taking the time and I'm really looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Oh, I'm looking forward to to Tandy and thanks so much. Um, this has been great. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. See you soon. Bye.